Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. So, Lena, to start with, we always ask this one question at the start, which is, can you explain what you do as though I'm a five-year-old? Okay, I will try. So basically, <laughs> basically, if you are a five-year-old and you might be walking into a hospital with your mom and your dad together and you look around and then you will see a lot of products like disinfection materials, gloves, masks, and all of these products are used by nurses and medical experts. So they need these products to help sick people to get well again. And yeah, basically my job is to make sure that the hospital, the hospital staff has all of these products they need in the right quality and pay a good price for them, does not pay a too high price for them. That's basically my job, what I do with my organization. Sounds cool and sounds super stressful in some ways as well. It is definitely when supply chains like they are at the moment are corrupted and you do not get all of the products that you need. Just to give you like a sense or your audience a sense, we have, let alone in Germany, over 1 million medical products and pharmaceuticals that are floating around. So for procurement, it's pretty hard to keep them all on your radar. Not all of the hospitals need like 1 million products, but the variation of the portfolio is very big. So a hospital, maybe a university hospital, needs around 80,000 products in the different medicine disciplines. So it's mostly impossible for strategic procurements to be like very ready or have like the product know-how that you need to know all of these products and all of the suppliers. That is one main challenge, maybe, if you look into hospital procurement. That's actually mind-blowing, <laughs> the numbers, even 80,000. 80,000 is a lot, huh? <laughs> it is. Like, I can't even comprehend. I mean, I was buying parts for airplanes and military vehicles, and I thought there was a lot of parts on those, <laughs> but it's not that many parts. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I assume that in airplanes, if you are in strategic procurements trying to negotiate those parts, you stick a lot or you're working a lot with the engineers together, or do you? And might be that they have a lot of influence on these products. And that's like the main challenge that you have in strategic procurement when it comes to hospitals, because at the end, medical experts have a lot of influence on suppliers and the products that they want to use. And that's one thing that we always have to like, not only negotiate with suppliers, but try to negotiate internally, moderate the process. I always used to say that when I was in defense, working with these SMEs, they were harder to negotiate with than the suppliers that I was trying to work with. So I agree. Can you explain what patient care means? Mainly for me here as well, because I have no idea. <laughs> so patient care, to say then my words, or how would I explain it? It's a process. It's not only a process, it's maybe a process, a culture in the framework of taking care of sick people with the goal to maintain or in the best case, improve the overall health of patients. So many what hospitals or physicians do. And I don't think it's just like a production process because from studies, you know that it's more than just doing ABC. It's around that patients have the feeling that they get help, that they have the hope that maybe their overall health will improve. So I guess it's a process, it's a culture, and there's like a framework around it. And the main goal is to help sick people get better. 
Awesome. That little prelude there sets us up quite nicely for the question I'm about to ask you, because you're keen on reimagining the collaboration between procurement and the medical experts, which we've just referenced. I guess my first question is, why is that? What's the context there? Is it mainly because they are the subject matter experts in that space? And the influence means that you can't always just go off and do what you think is the right thing to do if it contradicts what they say. I'm just really curious here because I think a lot of people in other spaces will experience something similar. I think that, especially if you're working with experts, nevertheless, on which fields they are, if they are experts in engineering or if they are experts in medical fields, most of the time they are responsible for the process and for the outcome. And that is why they know their products pretty well. And I think that's one of the challenges that you have to face if you're talking about procurement and medical experts working together in a hospital. And on the other hand, most of the time, the organization of a hospital is pretty separate, meaning that you have like nursing, you have like the medical expert, and then you have something that is mostly called administration. And procurement, if that exists as a business unit, is in this context, the business units in administration and has little influence on suppliers and product choices. Maybe a little bit on the suppliers, but on the product choices, if it comes to like implants or stuff that is really important for the outcome of the treatment of the patients, most of the times medical experts, they want to have a say or they want to decide which products they are using. So it is one problem that the professions in the hospital are strictly separated from each other. And there is also a problem between nursing and medical, but that's maybe another podcast episode then. That makes collaboration tough in the first place. So the environment maybe in a hospital is not really a setting where a cross-functional collaboration is something that is happening all the time. And what is even a bigger problem is that the suppliers have then a good connection to the medical experts. Most of the time, the suppliers are more in contact with the medical experts than they are with the procurement. And therefore, they influence product decisions and preferences. And yeah, what is the challenge? Procurement and medical experts, they should have the mutual goal to make sure that the right products, which are need-oriented, not chosen by marketing strategies, are available for the, for the patient treatments. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Because my understanding there is you've got quite a siloed working environment within the hospitals or the patient care process, right? Definitely. Procurement's already on the outside of that world because they're not the experts. They probably don't have anywhere near the knowledge needed to confidently source. But there's probably a lot of value that not just going with the new flashy marketing pitch that's come from one of those supplies directly to, say, a doctor to get the business, right? And over the time, really, these marketing budgets, they were huge. And it's very hard at the point that we are, try to neutralize all of the marketing that has happened already because medical experts, if they go to university and they are treating their first patients, it's like when I'm trying to explain it to other people who are not from the field, I'm always saying them, imagine that you are working with your Microsoft Office environment every day for 10 years. And then you get like a, a MacBook or you get like a Linux system and then try to do the same thing that you were doing all of the time in the same productivity that you did it for the last 10 years. You will need the time to adjust to another product. And what we are doing is mostly office work. I can say that for me. That means that nobody is threatened by the, by the things that I do. But if you are like treating a patient, maybe doing a difficult procedure, you really want to stick to the product that you're used to. 
And that is maybe something that you have to give to them that you do not want to switch just the product on the fly. You want to know the product. And if there is not like in, in any case for you a motivation to change the product, you will not do that. And there were certain suppliers, they were very clever in placing their product in the universities where the young medical experts learn how to do it. And if they do it on with this product, they want to proceed it with the rest of their life. In best case, just using best the product that they know from the beginning when they were learning how to treat the patient. Well, it's a huge barrier, right? For change, for one, because that influence throughout the entire education process, all those years studying using certain products and then to be able to use them in your job is going to feel great for you as a practitioner. But if you're potentially trying to build more resilience or build out different capabilities, then how do you switch without the expert saying, how are people approaching this? Like, how are they getting a little bit closer maybe to these medical experts to try and influence from a procurement angle? And it's not possible to change like the current structures that we are working in because they are founded like for certain hospitals 100 years ago. So therefore, you would have to change the whole way hospitals are being managed and being organized. So the challenge is more like maybe for procurement to accept for themselves that this is the environment that they're working in and then trying to gain trust and establish cross-functional teams with the medical experts, with the nursing experts as well, because there are some products that you want to decide upon with the medical experts and some that uh, you need like the nursing experts. And it's not about being like in procurement the best one that knows the product the best. It's more about being successful with the medical experts, like doing like one starting project, then talking about that, and then trying to establish a network into the hospitals and to the suppliers to get like the right answers if you have like a question about products or if you need something. Yeah, it's about a lot of marketing for procurement for yourself, if that makes sense. And at the end, like maybe on certain things, try to engage the hospital management so they know that you have mutual goals with the medical experts, that there might be some um, cost reduction possible. And that will not have any influence on quality because that is important. And I think that is something that is yeah, really a challenge to get out of the head of the medical experts. The procurement is only about cost cutting and maybe leaving them with products with lower quality. So being a procurement expert in a hospital really means like establishing these networks and also being like, yeah, like you said, like being someone who is negotiating internally rather than as well with the suppliers, but maybe more internally at some point rather than externally. It's a really good way of looking at it. So it's not about becoming an expert in the field because you can't, for one. It's about doing all the other things, right? Which I guess it's like the whole supplier relationship management piece, maybe getting the contracts better, making sure you get the right quantities at the right time to the right place, like really procurement 101, the basics of procurement, but nailing down everything else except for product fit and whether we should go for you know, supplier A or supplier B, because your medical teams are going to be the ones leading that area. Definitely. That's really cool. And it kind of made me think about when I brought a lot of SaaS or like platforms as a service, like offerings, I have no idea what these solutions are, right? And it would be very naive of me to think that I can say to the software engineering teams, hey, go and do this with this supplier because they can do it better. Like It's super naive if I don't know how to code, I don't know the architecture in the background. But what I can do is make sure that we've eliminated all the risks or as many risks as possible. We've Maybe we've got a backup supplier somewhere else if need be. It's those kind of things that you're saying that we can really focus on. 
And I think it's a lot about just asking the right questions, isn't it? Like you said, at the end, you will be in procurement, you will be not the person treating the patient with the product. So the last decision, in my opinion, is on the side of the medical experts. But what I can do, it's maybe with a group of medical experts, asking them why one of them is able to work with one supplier and the other one is answering me or giving me the feedback that he's not. And then just trying to moderate that process and bringing them to discuss that in the group of the medical experts. And procurement is then just the one trying to moderate the process and trying to just ask the right question to get them into a discussion. And what we are doing like for our hospital group is really have established groups that are then going into workshops and trying to commit on one suppliers and they're discussing <laughs> the whole product choice as long as they must and then they come out with their commitment and with what procurement can then negotiate with the supplier. No, it makes sense. It's like connecting the dots, right, between all of these different stakeholders because you mentioned right at the start, right, that nursing maybe is slightly siloed from the doctors and admin is even more siloed from all of that. Imagine there's a huge amount of value of just being able to build those, like you said, those little communities or networks within your business to get sort of those buying decisions made in person, right? Because I guess there's a lot of conflict in at times or a lot of different views from these medical experts when they all <laughs> get together in a room as well. Everyone has like his products that he likes or he has some preferences for suppliers because he is not only treating patient, but he wants to do some studies on the site, yeah, to gain like uh, positive feedback in the community, in the science community, stuff like this. And that is why it is not that easy for the medical experts to gain like a common portfolio, a common product portfolio that they can commit on. But it's much easier for procurement moderating such a process than discussing with one medical expert how to commit on the product portfolio because he will then respond that he cannot work with the products that you <laughs> recommend him. And if you're trying to just bring the discussion back into the group where the medical experts are even there on their level, then most of the time you reach a commitment. It's interesting to see that when you're talking to one medical expert, it's mostly pretty hard to get something out of them. But if there is a group, maybe eight or nine or 10 medical experts, they will discuss what is possible and they will come to commitment most of the time. It's super interesting because there's obviously a lot of different conversations in the procurement space about what should the focus of procurement be. And time and time again, I see sort of a narrative that procurement should be leading on the product charge, like they should be the ones telling the business who to use. And I've always found that approach quite a naive approach because of typically the areas I've worked in, which is defense, aerospace, <laughs> fintech. I've never been the expert in whatever the end product is. There's no way that I could possibly deliver procurement if we follow those narratives, right? And what you're kind of setting out is there's still a lot for procurement to do apart from just that one small facet of procurement. And I'm wondering who is, who is like the procurement expert that really holds the expertise of the products more than any other expert in the company does. I don't know, maybe there are some fields, but yeah, your examples are pretty well. You'd be a good medical procurement expert as well. <laughs> Clueless on the subject matter, can do anything else there. <laughs> That's awesome. No, Leonard, that was actually a really cool run through there because this is like I mentioned to you and I think for a lot of people listening to this and people that I network with this is so alien <laughs> to them they do not know this space at all and you mentioned early on that 
maybe a university hospital could have sort of 80,000 products needed. Say with that example, how many suppliers would potentially provide that amount of products? I appreciate this might be a really hard question to answer, so it's okay. You don't have an answer. It's not that hard to uh, to answer the question. There are, if I talk about my GPO, around 700 suppliers that we have contracts with. Oh, okay. But what makes the whole procurement in healthcare much more challenging is that there are only 10 suppliers or 10 OEMs that make a total turnover of nearly 40% of all medical products and pharmaceuticals worldwide. So that's a challenge. Wow. Because these 10 OEMs, I would bet that you find them in every hospital worldwide. And that means that you kind of stick to them. <laughs> you kind of have to work with them because... It's not much you can do. <laughs> not much that you can do. You cannot like force them out of the hospital. Like there's some negotiations going down in automotive. It's interesting because a lot of people, when there was the automotive crisis, they were coming into healthcare procurement. And there were always about this like tough negotiating with the organization that you're working on with and then the supplier being really dependent on you. Maybe it's a little bit the other way around in healthcare procurement, because not only are these 10 OEMs pretty big and they have a big turnover, but they all have really quality high products that you need for patient treatments if you're working in a hospital that has a certain amount of medical expertise. And that is something that is pretty challenging because you have to like, yeah, you have to do like supplier relationship management with them and try to figure out how to negotiate with them. But on the other hand, yeah, like get, get good prices and you do not want to be too reliable from them. Like a few thoughts are racing through my mind there. Like it kind of makes sense, right? That there's only a small portion of companies making these essential products for hospitals that have to hit a certain quality. I can only imagine how horrendous it may be if you had to manage 10 times the OEMs of these products, right? To somehow make sure that the, everything's standardized or whatever. So yeah, it kind of makes sense. And yeah, just on the point of not trying to hammer too much on the price, focus on relationships and almost becoming that customer of choice as much as possible whilst every other medical group or hospital group is trying to do the same. It sounds incredibly challenging to me in the space. It leaves something if you want to get like a feeling for it. If you're talking about one of the biggest of the 10 of them and you then compare like my spend that I have with a GPO that is in Germany one of the biggest, you're talking around less than 1% of their worldwide total turnover. So at the end, it's a big GPO and it makes a lot, uh, or it's challenging to get all the hospitals to like a strategy and a negotiation strategy. But at the end, if I'm able to commit all of them, it will be only 1% of one of the, our biggest suppliers if you look at their total turnover. So they're really powerful. The scales are mind-blowing, aren't they? Awesome. Well, I'm going to just finish off with two questions here that we'd like to ask every guest. And the first one, and this doesn't have to be procurement related at all here, but what's one piece of tech that you love using at the moment? I love using. So I don't know if I want to talk about love using, but in my working environment, it's definitely my laptop and then Outlook and Teams because I'm doing a lot of Teams meeting with all of my colleagues and all of my direct reports. But in my private life, I would guess that, um, yeah, I really got used to my Apple Watch in combination with my Apple AirPods. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts, not only your podcast, but other podcasts as well. A lot of music and yeah, it motivates me 
to stay active, to going for a run or just going to the gym and stuff like this. And that's why I think the Apple Watch is something that I really stick to. I agree. I love my Apple Watch and AirPods as well. You too. Okay. <laughs> for the exact same reasons that you gave. The Apple tech ecosystem, I know people say it's expensive and it looks a bit flashy, but it just works. It works beautifully for me. And what I also like about the watch is the fact that I can leave my phone at home, especially if I'm going out with my girlfriend or with other friends, because I know that if there's anything really emergency case, someone can call me on the watch. But at the end, I cannot do anything with the watch. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going out. You can be present. I can be present. I can be present, yeah, in real life with the person that I'm with. And just leaving the phone at home is something that I really do that a lot since I got the watch. It's a really good shout there, for sure. And this last question is the weirdest question I ask on this podcast. I want you to imagine that I'm your procurement genie here and I can grant you one procurement wish. What wish would you like me to make for you come true? One challenge that we did not discuss today in this podcast is um, the lack that we have in the healthcare space of master data management for medical products. That is really a problem. So there are no fully, fully established standards like barcodes, product groups, or logistics standards. There are some, but there are no standards. So not like you have it like in comparison in the food industry, for example. And I think if you want to get supply chains in order, if you want to forecast our demand, and most of all, make sure that nurses and medical experts are not wasting their time on any purchasing processes for medical products, we need to get these product standards. And that is my, my wish, if I had one. And I'm going to ask a very naive clarification question here. So that would be in relation to say to those 80,000 products. One million. Or one million for like across the entire portfolio. There's no standardized coding system or structure. It might be that you get like a product, a medical product, which is in a box and there are free barcodes on it and they are changing all the time. That is very difficult to establish like uh, a digital processes. It's not possible. And that's really a problem. The whole time you were talking, I was thinking, we talk a lot about tech in the space and how tech could actually eat up a lot of what procurement does. But in this space at the moment, the world that you've just explained, it would be so difficult because there's no standardization. It's super reliant on people, which is amazing still that it needs that human sort of connecting the dots and everything. But yeah, just on the data point, that's a huge problem. Leila, this has been wonderful to talk to you. I've learned loads, by the way, because I came into this absolutely not knowing anything about this space. I just want to say thank you for coming on to Procurement Reimagined here. Thank you so much for letting me be here. And it was a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeper.com hq.com and then make sure to search for procurement reimagined in apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts or anywhere else that podcasts are found make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes on behalf of the team here at gatekeeper thanks for listening